Well, welcome everyone to the Rumble Over the Thunder podcast. We made it to a dozen podcast number 12 uh, just after the Fox River Racing Club meeting, just after the banquet here late in October. My name is Matt Panier. Andy Monday, how are you? I'm good. You? I'm doing great. It's been a while yes, it, since well, we were on. Yes, on the like podcast, that. but we saw each other a couple of days couple, ago. Yeah, a couple of days ago. And Dan Strong, how are you? Doing quite all right. Yeah, you're doing great. You got some new equipment here for us today, too. Yeah, so hopefully it'll sound a little bit better this time uh, around. I think these you are kind of nice. That's kind of cool about yeah. this little guard thing or whatever we call it. Is Pop like, filter. If I get mad at Matt, I could use this as a Frisbee and just chuck yeah. it at him because it's very circular. It is. And yeah. I can hide behind mine like a shield, so you can, play, o- you can play offense and defense with <laughs> these I think things. he's just sick of getting yeah. our spit stuck in his microphones. I think it's just the Fox River Racing Club issued equipment. Yeah. Well, that could be, right? <laughs> eh, you know, no. Nah. It's uh, it's <laughs> purely for the editing aspect, so I don't have to do four hours of editing anymore. No, I only have to do, like, one. It's better. So Sabrina bought these. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Needs uh, a little bit more time with Dan? Maybe. Oh, there we go. All right. Well, yeah. racing season's over. We got some time to do that. Uh, but to get to the end of racing season, I mean, since the last time we talked, there's been a lot going on. I yeah, there's been a lot of racing. Um only maybe one race since Eva Destruction at Kakana, which we'll touch on with the Enduro. Mm-hmm. But a lot of specials around the state, everybody kind of wrapping up the uh, Tundra Series Midwest Tour and then all the different specials with lacrosse and whatnot. And we can talk about those since uh, we had a lot of local guys from WIR yep. that went and hit those races. So it was kind of cool to see and watch. Yourself included, the the Tundra the Tundra final race that we had there, the September showdown uh that was, you know, we're sitting here and it's. I think it's probably about forty degrees outside. It's not <laughs> terrible. It was ninety-five degrees that day for the September race. That was like when September I booked 22nd. that. When I, yeah, when I booked that race way back in December, I thought, okay, gee, I hope we don't need jackets. Oh, you, you almost needed I, sunblock. Yeah, I, I didn't know that I was going to need four bottles of water that day. It was incredible. Yeah, what was it like inside the race car? Andy? I think it was 119 inside the race car, oh, and man. you saw it on the track. There were several cars that pulled out of the race with overheating issues. I mean, my temperature gauge was pegged as well. You know, as high as high as I like to run it before I pull mine in as well. But uh, it's just craziness. You get, uh, you know, you get uh, that kind of weather, and that was, I think, the first 90 degree waste racing day. At least it was for our team. Right. The whole summer. I mean, it went through July, August, all that stuff, and then. Really? September 22nd? We're going to do I this? I know, and I remember <laughs> sweating in the pits and looking down at my phone and thinking, man, what time is it? It was nine. It was like 9.30 in the morning, and I'm already sweating. It was it was incredible. It just uh, would have been a fantastic mid-August race, <laughs> but for September, uh, it was just uh, it was something very different. And entertaining race. Jordan Thiel, who's not a WIR guy, but does live just miles away from the track. He's from Darboy. He ended up winning the race. He used to be a WIR guy. Uh, Brent Strelka was there. Brazen Bennett, actually. That was probably the best under race I'd seen him run in a while. Uh, led the race for a little while and ended up uh, somewhere inside the top 10 toward the end. Yeah, he started on the pole, and uh, he was doing what he could there. And a uh, little controversy with uh, him and Beal yeah. under that yellow yeah, there flag. Was. There was a discrepancy for position on the track, and uh, I was kind of towards the back. We were trying to work our way towards the front of the field. And next thing I know, there's... There's one car wedged underneath another mm-hmm. in turn three and four, so that uh, disagreement over track position spilled over the caution well, flag. All I'll say is that uh, from the scoring tower, the transponders don't lie, and that's what we were trying to exactly. relate to both of those particular drivers. And 
And I know as one of them finished the race, and the other one that disagreed with us didn't. We'll yeah. just put it that way. And I know as a driver, I mean, it's hot inside those cars, and you're fighting for every position. But really, um, you know, the five car, he he had a fast enough car and was coming through the field that I don't think that one spot would have really mattered if he had to give it up because I think he would have got he it back in a few it, yeah. laps anyway. But you know, all in all, it was uh, it was a fun race, and like you said, Jordan Thiel ended up taking the win and. He's been on fire. He won the last right. two um, races at, at Golden Sand Speedway, and then for him to win down at the Dells, um, I mean, he is on a, an ultimate high, and now we got a Plover special coming up yeah, next would, Saturday that he's excited to be at. Yeah, you would have to kind of put him on the short list of, list of favorite drivers, and I was talking to just a couple of people about that, and by the way, by the time this podcast gets out, uh, we might know a little bit more about I mean, I guess this depends on if Dan gets this done by the weekend, well, which I'm he sure just he will. said something about editing. It's not <laughs> yeah, going to take, gonna as take long, very so long. This better yeah. be up by midnight. Tonight. Yeah. Oh, come on. We don't want to put that much pressure. Uh, not tonight. Not that I'll, much I'll pressure do, on it. I'll come do on. tomorrow. I got a class. You yeah, know, the man's like got some other things going 11 on. 11 hours. So. Oh, okay. okay. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard rumors that uh, Ty Majeski's going to be there. Rich Bickle's going to be there. Uh, Casey Johnson will be there. It sounds like uh, should the weather cooperate, be a good day to go sit in the stands and watch this and yeah, so I, I do put the caveat of should the weather cooperate because that has been a huge issue the last few weeks and when you factor in Oktoberfest and then following yesterday that's this weekend correct that is this weekend this Saturday coming up the harvest it's a Saturday so race the exact opposite weather of the round six Dells finale where uh, it was 95 and you know we're looking at like 45 yeah, yeah. yeah yesterday when I was walking around at <laughs> Dells at the Halloween and it was you know 50 degrees and raining I was somehow trying to summon that 95 degree just a little bit of it back just <laughs> to 10 degrees you know could have taken 10 degrees off of our day and given it to that day and the dry weather and everything but honestly it doesn't work out that way huh well, yeah, uh, we're looking at 43 for a high, 40% rain on Saturday, but... I was looking at the is hour that rain by... rain or snow? Because it's uh, just precipitation. It's I was just looking at the hour by hour, and it says 6 o'clock is when the precipitation comes. So it's a 2 o'clock start. Theoretically, you could get everything done. Uh, the thing that really worried me, because I'm such a wimp about these kind of things, uh, my dad is going to be helping inspect. He wants me to come out there and help him out. It's going to be like 32 degrees at 8 o'clock in the morning. And Matt, 8 o'clock in the morning at 32 degrees. I mean, that's one of those, like, pick two out of three things. So it can be 8 o'clock in the morning at 32 degrees, but Matt's not there. Or it can be Matt at 8 o'clock in the morning, but it better not be 32 degrees. You know? <laughs> well, I'll give you, you know, a pro one of those tip. Things? If you're just the helper and it's cold, maybe he should have you um, doing tire inspections after they come off the track there we while go. still yeah. warm. Or at least lift the hood up and maybe yeah. you'll have to do something by the headers. I enjoyed After that yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> when I was taking pictures at Halloween, I was uh, in Victory Lane, standing right next to the nice warm race cars, <laughs> taking pictures of other nice warm race cars. So that helped a little bit. But uh, yeah, uh, weather has just kind of been an issue here. I mean, Andy, I I know you didn't make it out to Fest Dan. I don't think you did either. But nope. um, basically, uh, I mean, you got to give the hats off to the people that run that Oktoberfest weekend to get in what they did. It was Thursday. We got there. It was raining already. It rained all day Thursday. It rained all day Friday, and it rained up until about 7 o'clock on Saturday, too. They started racing at 9. Sunday was beautiful, but uh, just I think somewhere in the neighborhood they said of five and a half inches Jesus. of rain from Thursday Lord. <laughs> until Saturday. And didn't I just pick the best first year to camp there? <laughs> There was mud everywhere. Uh, how many hours of power washing did you do in your camper? 
Uh, well, thankfully, someone else rented that camper, and I just paid to get in that camper. Perfect. So uh, don't have to worry about that anymore. <laughs> that, that was not my problem after the weekend. Yeah, and that's that's something that I think we lose sight of or forget of is just the logistics and everything with the the teams and the trailers when you have a, a weekend like that that's three, four days, whether you're in a hotel or camping or whatever. Um, even the trailers and the pits, I mean, they had to move some guys because they yeah. were in a pond and um, such a hassle. But uh, got a good day of racing, and late Saturday we started, what, about 9? Yeah, we started. I think eight. we got cars on track at about 8.45. Okay. Yeah, I was helping out the Midwest trucks on that particular day. That was an incredible race. Yeah, Reagan May, another that local. Was, yeah. Here. And Chris Weinkoff was driving Levon Vandergeese truck, started dead last because he got out. They do group qualifying, and he got out kind of late. They wouldn't let him qualify because he sort of missed the cut. And it's a good thing he started last because otherwise he would have ran away with that race. (laughs) If he would have started anywhere but last, that race would not have been as good. But got up there last lap right on Reagan's tailgate. Took a look to the inside, just didn't have enough time. But, yeah, congratulations yeah. to Reagan. Yeah, and those trucks are a lot of fun to drive. I had the opportunity to drive one for Pathfinder about five or six years ago, I want to say it was. And when you go, when you're so used to the super late model stuff and then you go to the truck with the 602 crate and just the, how the different um, aero stuff works on the truck with the downforce, I mean, the, they're just so much fun to drive. I mean, it is um, – I'm sure Chris had a good time and, you know, Reagan – um, she'd been working with that Divine team. Mm-hmm. Um, again, Dan and Chad Divine, local to the area here, uh, big supporters of Racer, and they used to have a car weekly out of Kakana as well. But for them to get the win, cap off the season, because um, yeah. I know they had some struggles throughout they the year. They did, and they so did, it was pretty cool. Did you hear the story about what happened to Reagan at Hawkeye Downs? No, I didn't. With the semis? So they went out there. Uh, this must have been sometime in July, and they had the Bandit Big Rig Series. Have you heard mm-hmm. about that? Mm-hmm. So they did a day where it was the Bandit Big Rigs and the Midwest Truck Series went down there. And for whatever reason, I don't know whose idea this was, but they t- they were practicing at the same time. They had the Big Rigs out at the same time as the Midwest Trucks. And what's really weird is they had about four hours to kill between qualifying and the time they started the race. So it's not like they were short on time. And I, I was talking to Nick Egan, who is a Midwest Truck, son of Mike Egan, Midwest Truck Series racer, and he said, in an eight-lap practice stint, he lapped one of those things three times. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so the speeds were very different. Obviously, the weights are very different. And Reagan was out there, and she was, I believe, getting ready to come off the track, or one of the trucks was getting ready to come off the track and didn't catch it and ended up T-boning one of oh, them geez. Mm. and completely destroyed the, completely destroyed the truck, stub everything. So basically, the second half of the season since July or whatever that was, they kind of had to come out with this new truck, and I believe it was a new truck. I don't think they restubbed the other one, but you know, kind of a, a point in the season where they could have just called it quits. But hats off to them to come back and and find that win. Yeah, absolutely. And for those of you that don't know much about the Midwest Truck um, Series, that kind of started out as uh, like a support division with the. Uh, ASA Midwest Tour and stuff yeah. back at the time and um, they've done a nice job with that series and it's it's a nice combination of um, some veteran drivers mm-hmm. that have been around a while um, but then you also get the the newer kids to the sport right. and they're not afraid to mix it up and race and, and it's really competitive um, because the trucks are so equal you know on different packages and, and things that they run so it's not like uh, 
you have one or two trucks always just running away with the show they they typically have almost a different winner every race mm-hmm. um so they're really enjoyable to watch and they have them at slinger they have them um obviously we have them here on the the tuesday dixieland show i th- believe they come for that uh they come with the thunder race thunder uh, race yeah I'm they sorry, run all six May. thunder races okay. with us every year yeah. got it so real cool series to check that out if you get the chance to yeah, and uh, James Swan was our champion this year. If you remember him from the Mid American Stock Car Series days, he's raced super late models. Uh, Dave Edwards was their champion last year. He raced super late models a long time ago, or not a long time ago, but for a long time, uh, up until taking on the Midwest Trucks. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of interest there. It's a it's a neat deal. It's mm-hmm. uh, you know, like you said, good mixture of guys that just kind of want to go and race and travel around a little bit, and do it economically, and the young up and comers like uh, Jay Vandergee's son Levon or. Uh, Sam Mayer, who won at the Dells, if mm-hmm. you remember that, in the Kelly Byers truck, dominated that race, looked real good. Uh, Luke Fenhouse, who won at Golden Sands, so uh, Derek Krause. Yeah, I was thinking uh, came from there. Three to five so, years ago, yeah, Derek Krause, yeah. Ty Majeski came up through that, too. Right, he raced so, year, yep. Yeah, and the roots of that truck series are really deep. Like you said, you know, running with the ASA Tour there for a while. Uh, but even before that, with the Mid-American series, when they used to have the, the truck series with them, when they'd do the head-to-head races, those <laughs> were... Those were something else. It was pretty cool when they did that on the road course. It was always, who's going to win? Is it going to be a truck Maybe, maybe we should throw that out to the club since we're sitting here after the FRC meeting. Maybe there's a Thursday we can merge them in with the late model class. You, you know what I would think would and, be and really mix good? mix it up cars and trucks that night. Well, they have the 602 crate late models in the quarter mile late models, right? That's part of the rule package. You know. So... Oh, It'd be interesting. Why don't to see. you why don't you bring a truck out there and see what happens against those quarter mile late models? Yeah, we had a dirt car around with the street stocks, so yeah, why not? Yeah. Maybe a little bit of everything out there. Let's do maybe a for the, different uh, here. The last uh race of the season. Yeah. Just get more people out there maybe. Well we were kinda of talking about, you know, different ideas <laughs> here while we were sitting around during the meeting a little earlier on, so Yeah. Be fun. Just, it might just be crazy enough to work. <laughs> 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 Never know. But uh yeah, so Let's get back to that uh, Oktoberfest race. Um, honestly, I get so Oktoberfested out that I ducked out a little early. I uh, wanted to make some miles back home, but, uh, you know, we were watching, and, man, Johnny Sauter, when he comes back to town, you better be on your game. That guy, is he's, he's something else, and he treats, the thing I like about this is when Johnny Sauter comes back for a short track race, he treats it just as importantly as a truck race, as an NASCAR truck race or an NASCAR Bush race, Xfinity race when he was there. Every race matters for Johnny Sauter, and that's, that's a very admirable quality. Kyle Busch is the same way, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, think, I think when you're at that level, when you come back to your roots, you really have, A, the confidence um, coming back that, you know, there's no reason I shouldn't win, um, but then also you want to make it a point to make everybody know that this is a reason why I'm at that level. This is why I belong. And uh, a lot of hard work goes into those cars. Um, he was fast from the practice sessions to qualifying to, um, I know Ty, him and Ty were running one, two in that race. And it seemed like Ty would maybe gain on him a few laps. And then Johnny, mm-hmm. maybe he was only running 90, 95%. He'd, he'd get back on it and just take back off and drive away from him. So a really dominating performance. And, um, you know, he had that last year at the Dixieland when he was here. He had the dominating performance, and then I believe he broke a spindle 10, 15 laps to go. That mm-hmm. was the one Prunty yeah, ended up winning. Yep, yep. Um, so, like you said, anytime he shows up, he's going to be a threat to win. And there's a lot of rumblings out there since it is the off season about uh, different things going on for next year, and one of them is that we might see Johnny Sauter here more often next year at WIR. 
Um, I, red, I white, do hear that series, rumor a lot and, that he keeps wanting so, to come back to his short track roots more and more. So which, if that happens, uh, he's putting all of us on blast to uh, bring our A game and get our stuff together. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, like I said, that's just a thing where that's just a guy that's hyper-focused every time. And, by the way, uh, you know, I think sometimes a lot of these pro racers will get a bad rap of their attitude and things like that. I, I'm a Johnny Sauter fan. I like seeing Johnny Sauter come back. I like talking to him. He's a good guy. From time to time, I'll see him sliding through the stands at Kakana, you know, trying to keep a low profile. But he'll look up and give me a little wave, and he'll come up and do an interview if I ask. So, you know, that goes a long way uh, with, you know, a promoter type like myself or just anybody that's in racing and, and likes to see that kind of thing. It's, it's good to see a guy that just – sort of keeps a level head about those sorts yeah and of you things. just you can tell he just loves the sport right and uh you know kyle Shear, who was actually on johnny Sauter's truck team you know we talked about it a few times just uh this is their passion they understand their roots but this i think sometimes when you get to that level of the top three nascar divisions it becomes your your career and your job mm-hmm. and maybe it's not as the racing maybe isn't as fun anymore because it gets maybe too corporate and whatnot. Um, so those guys really enjoy coming back and and doing the super late model thing. So it's kind of like when you play those. Do you ever play those NASCAR video games <laughs> where you start in the modifieds and you go all the way up to cup, and then when you finally get to cup in the video game, you're like, I want to go. go I want to race here. those modifieds again, <laughs> and then you go race the modifieds. You're like, why did I ever leave this? Kinda. I don't think you get not you really, paid though. differently. Yeah. I don't think, one, uh, well, you never know. They're <laughs> starting to pay for some weird stuff now. You see those esports on TV all the time. So, Are you into that yet, Dan? I'm surprised you're not. Yeah. I know you're a gamer. iRacing, we're getting them on yeah. a little bit. Oh, yeah. are you now? Yeah, I am doing iRacing. I you actually, got support time Majeski here. There we I, go. I ran a couple of races today, and I'm, I'm a little bit uh, PO'd about a couple what, of where'd things. Where'd you run? I uh, ran trucks at Phoenix and ran the K&N at... Lucas Oil. Okay. Uh, well, the trucks, somebody decided that um, <laughs> they were just going to drive through me. They're going to be one of those people. Yep. Okay. They drove through me and then immediately disconnected, so I'm going to mm. guess they hit their incident limit. Um, <laughs> and then the uh, K&N race, well, Lucas Oil, I don't do well f- at flat track, so Lucas Oil just not my cup of tea. I, I, I think I'm going to wait until the next track comes out, whatever that may be, because uh, – I don't like running around in Lucas Oil. The K&N car on there is a little bit funky to drive. They're, the whole reason they came up with a K&N car, I'll give you a little quick background. This is irrelevant to the podcast. but Nothing they, is irrelevant to the podcast. That was the original Nationwide Series car. Really? Like five years ago, and then they updated it, but then they realized, oh, all these customers already paid for that other car. Now we're going to make them buy this new car. So let's yeah. rename this a K&N car. And it... it Lauren Leach enjoys running it, and Mark Allen, and I see them guys in there all the time. On that yeah, I run car. against Mark Allen and Lauren Leach a lot. Mark Allen's uh, probably the guy in the truck race that dialed you. He's known for that. <laughs> no, it was it was some guy. From Did somebody Spain. take a video of it and post it online? Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we can Sitting catch on him his now. bench, buddy. Yeah, now we'll catch him. <laughs> my uh, my friend Drew is my race director in Tundra. Yeah, I've raced with him on that uh, a few times. the Sarah series. Is, yep. is that what you run? Yep. Okay, so he showed me they have this incident report. A penalty box, apparently. Can you explain that to me a little bit more, Andy? Is this something we need to bring to Kakana? <laughs> well, I can explain how the incidents uh, system kind of works on there, but I don't know how they do it in that series with the penalty box. 
Yeah, um, he was showing me about unclaimed cautions or things like that. Yeah, basically if you make contact with another car, depending on how hard you hit them, um, you could get a, what they call a 2X or a 4X, depending on the severity. Um, and then those add up over the event of a race. And if you dial enough people so many times, they're just going to disqualify you and get you out of there. So, yeah, we we could keep track of, of incident points. I actually joked with Ty Majeski earlier this year at the Blue Race. I don't know if you remember that one restart. We were side-by-side, side and I kind of ran him up in the door a little bit in turn one and two, but he ended up getting away and winning the race anyway. I went over to him after the race, and I said, hey, good win. I, they probably You probably gave me a two or a four X, I think, in that corner. There. He just started <laughs> laughing because he knew the iRacing reference. So right is away. that something when you, when you hit somebody, they have to call that against you? No, the computer system automatically oh, okay. recognizes so, it, and okay. both cars get it. Gotcha. Yep. So then... If if you're the guy getting hit, you're getting penalized in the thing, and you're not happy about it. Oh, because that's, you're mm-hmm. doing it wrong. yeah, that seems really fair. So it's kind of like contact rule in a way. I guess so. Yeah, but there's no gentleman's agreement to take those points away mm. from the other guy. You might want to look into that eye racing. <laughs> Although you, you do right feel now. a little bit better when the other guy says, "Hey, dude, sorry about that." Like I just overcooked the corner or something. But when they're <laughs> just completely dead silent and disconnect right afterwards. You start steaming a little bit. Is that when you start looking up IP addresses? I th- you can probably do that, can't you, Dan? Eh, it might be a little He's not going to tell us that he can do that. That's okay. We'll, we'll turn the other. No, the t- last race I ran in there was a truck race at Talladega, and uh, oh. I was the guy who caused the big one trying to stuff it three wide in the middle for a lead. So there was probably 16 trucks that got incident points from me on that one. Yeah. So I just disconnected it and I bought my <laughs> business that day. Teledega and Daytona. <laughs> yeah. No you don't want it. No. Andy's no. like, oh, just wreck the field. Time to go back to work. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Time to go back to work as an insurance adjuster. <laughs> Is that what I do? I don't know. It's something in insurance. Yeah, I'm not sure it, either. Is it adjuster? Or? I'm not sure. I should ask my coworkers. They're probably not sure either. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Everybody asks me what I do with a magazine. I'm just like, I just, it's there. I just do stuff to it. <laughs> that works. Yeah. As long as it keeps printing every month, everybody's happy, so. Yeah. Uh, let's move along. Let's cycle back now. You were talking about Ty Majeski, and uh, he wins the following race yesterday. Did you see the big controversy out, of, out of the two laps of your restart? Spingate. Okay. Part, part I, I want to hear, hear what you guys have to say about this, and then I'm going to tell you my point of view. Because I was there. I was standing in the infield, and my viewpoint has changed 100% from last night to tonight. So you guys tell me what you saw and what you think. I'll let Dan start. Oh, I, I was watching a, a Facebook live feed, <laughs> um, and I started I, I started watching right when the incident happened. Um, for me, it looked like Casey just kind of gave him a little nudge. I don't know who was at fault for that one. I don't know if Ty had the high line or the low line. So I, I don't know where to kind of stand on that one, but all well, I know is Casey. A, he had the low line on the restart. He did. Yeah. Ty did? Lane, yep. yep. Okay. Yeah. Then uh, I don't know if Casey just got a better entry or what happened, but I joined right as Ty started going around. So Now what did you think about the fact that both of them finished first and second? Um. Should one have gone to the rear or both, or how do none go? 
That's Honestly, that's really the big you know, controversy. You know, that's that's and, more of the controversy here. I think it's pretty clean to see that Casey got it a tie and tie couldn't yeah. save it. Everybody could see that. Now the big controversy surrounding this is why in the H E double hockey stick did those guys finish one two? Did somebody else claim the caution? Nope. Or no? Nobody needed to. Because they didn't get sent to the back. Neither one of them were told to go to the back of the field. This is I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> and, and I, 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 I can, don't I can I, tell you what I heard when I left there. And Andy, I want your opinion on this first before I get into because I'll rant here for a minute okay. before before I, but I, I want to get Andy's take on this first. All right. Well, here's my take. I wasn't there. I was. Uh, we had the banquet Saturday night for the Fox Racing Club, and then uh, I went to the Packer game yesterday in the in the rain. But uh, I watched the highlights of it, and I might take the politically correct cop out answer here, but I was not surprised one bit when I seen that happen because the following has finished that way the last three years with the last lap, hit the leaders, you know, guy in third wins or whatever type of thing. Um, but it's a really a product of the racetrack down there and having raced at the Tundra race down there, I can see that as well. It's a one-lane racetrack, and everybody knows that. Um, Ty was the leader. He took inside. Casey's second. He took outside. But it almost seemed to me watching the video that Casey had an agreement with his buddy and teammate, John Beal, who's running third that he could get down out of that outside lane right away and get to the bottom to try to give Ty a run. Now, where the controversy comes in is Casey clearly got into the back of Ty, Mm -hmm. and Ty spun out. However, the caution flag flew because there was another incident that happened at the same time. Ty was going around. Dennis Prunty and five other cars were wrecked in turn one. Correct. Now... What's difficult to tell, and this is probably where your insight's going to come in here the best, is was the incident that happened behind the leaders because of the leaders, or was the incident that happened behind the leaders because Dennis Prunty spun the tires on the restart and ended up three wide on the top, and you couldn't fit three wide going into turn one, and those cars were wrecking before Casey even hit tie. And, and, and the highlights I saw, it's so difficult to tell, but that's what I realized happened. We had two accidents happening at the same time now. Yeah, basically. Split seconds yeah. to say which one happened first. And you know what? I would go with the incident where you're going three wide and causing a wreck that wraps up seven cars than getting into the back of somebody and one person spinning out. I, I would say that... And who was three wide? Was that Hoffman that ended up on top? Of? That's the it, it was. Okay. Yeah. that's what I thought I saw there. So, All right, so, give us, so, so here, here's my take. Uh, I was in the infield, and there's two to go. Uh, somebody comes over and says, "Oh, they're going to do a double file restart, even with two to go." I was surprised, but they did tell them at the drivers' meeting to be fair, so they all knew it and they all expected it. So I thought, okay, this is a good time to pull out the old <laughs> camera and start taking some video, just like I did with the Slinger Nationals a couple of years ago when Matt Kenseth, you know, decided he really didn't like Eric Jones's bumper, tried to take it off. Um, so I, I was very focused on just the leaders because that was the lens I had. That was as much as I could zoom out toward. I could just get to five and the 91. So I was watching the restart, and I noticed John Beal, who was on the inside behind Ty, did slip a little bit coming out of four, which caused him, Holzhausen, and a couple other people. And maybe there was some controversy there. I know John was a little mad at Skyler 
uh, at the end of that one. So maybe they hit each other. I don't really know. But whatever happened there, when they came out of four, that second row severely backed up from the first row, enough to the point that Casey could make that crossover move, get clear of John Beal by about three car lengths, by the way, and try to get under tie going into one and two. So my camera's just strictly focused on those two cars, and I got all of it, right? I got Casey <laughs> getting under Ty, Ty trying to save it and spinning out, and then I hear thuds, which I'm thinking, okay, these two guys just wrecked the entire field behind them because they were because Casey was trying to get around Ty. So I left, and I thought, man, what is this? Because I heard the same story that you did, that the caution actually came out for the subsequent wreck, which I in my mind, thought was a direct result of the two leaders getting together. However, and this is why Dan Margetta is one of the best yes, things. That's, that's what I watch. <laughs> this is why Dan Margetta is one of the best things that happened to short track racing. And I specifically, before formulating an opinion, before putting my gallery up on CircleTrack.com, before putting my video out anywhere to the public, wanted to see what he saw. So you, unlike everybody else, you didn't form an opinion and put it on Facebook right mm, away. You no. actually waited to gather all the facts. Y- you know, as, you as run for president, as, as a ju- as a journalist, that's kind of what they tell <laughs> oh, you to do. Gotcha. You know, I'm not CNN where I just get a panel of six people and then let them all spit a bunch of garbage out, <laughs> fake news. Anyway, um, so what I did is I saw this video and good on Dan because he caught that incident from third on back much more than he was actually watching the two leaders. He was trying to, like, zoom out and keep both of it. He, and and he, he, to his credit, he did a good job. But you can see, if you watch very clearly, and you can go go to YouTube, go to Dan Margetta, just Dan Margetta, put it in your search box, look at it. Yeah, he, follow there, yeah, you follow me. Follow me a link in yeah. the description of this. Yeah, go to 1530, all right? That's where the restart is in the video. And you can clearly see, if you stop it after about five seconds... Ty Majeski is sideways after Casey Johnson hit him. Had not yet spun. Not to the point where I would have thrown a yellow anyway. And while this is happening, Eddie Hoffman is literally on top of John Reynolds Jr. And there are sparks <laughs> flying with Dennis Prunty spun in front of both of them. So to the credit of the tower, if you are going to call a yellow. That's it. 50-50. I mean, if they would have called it on the leaders, I wouldn't have been mad. But for me to be upset yesterday that they didn't call it on the leaders, I think was a misconception because going back and seeing that video, and remember they don't have, they don't have Dan Margetta's video in front of them when they make this call. They make this call strictly based on what they see, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what they saw was Eddie Hoffman on top of John Reynolds Jr. taking out Dennis Prunty and swiping up toward the one and two wall, and then all of a sudden the leader spun too. So. Good on them. I know some people are probably sitting back thinking, you know, politics, Ty got the benefit of the doubt, this, that, the other thing. I'm going to tell you, as someone that has to make that call in other facets of my racing world, I can see exactly what they saw, and I, I'm with them. I, I, I give them credit for doing what they had to do. It, it was not an easy call to make, and in, in my eyes, you're, it's, you know, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. From yeah, what I'm hearing, I, I will agree with you then that uh, that was the right call to make. They they definitely did that. And here's another thing that nobody even brought up that I just thought of. Let's say that Ty spins and he spins to the infield in the grass and he's off the track. 
with the yellow have even came out just for that incident aside from the other one that's a track to track kind of thing because to be honest with you because uh, i've seen that happen before too well at slinger speedway when i used to work there back a few years ago anytime someone got spun to the infield it didn't matter we stayed green so if you were good enough to spin out that leader and send him to the infield my <laughs> gosh you're going on to win that damn race um, if you were spinning him out and he kind of 50 50 down the track, well, you're going to the back. So, yeah, it was, hit, him, it was, hit him hard. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of one of those things. I mean, not every racetrack's the same, not every flagman's the same. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it just uh, it kind of depends. But I don't know. Like like I said, I mean, I, I watched Ty and Casey very closely because I thought there, there was going to be some entertainment value there. I was right. Uh, I didn't know there was going to be that kind <laughs> of entertainment value. I wasn't going for that. But, um, yeah, if you really watch that Dammer get a video closely, you can kind of get your gears turning in the same direction that whoever was making that call went. And, you know, it's. I think if you're watching a car <laughs> d- jumping over another car, sparks flying, and guys crashing off into the walls, it's kind of easy to miss some of that other stuff. So, like I yeah. said, good on them. Yeah, watch a video if you can and really pay attention too to the restart because I thought that was interesting as well. It looked like. Uh, Maybe Casey started to go slightly before Ty, and then maybe had to hold up, and then Ty shot out of a cannon out of the bottom line. On that very last restart. Yeah, and that yeah. might have backed up the inside of line a little bit. But then if you watch, because it's kind of hard to see in the video, but if you watch, I think Prunty was maybe third car outside. For some reason, he he got in the gas too hard, got sideways, mm-hmm. got up the hill, and that's how they ended up three wide. That and was a with big, two to go, and nobody's back. Yeah, that up, was a you know? big issue yesterday too with cars and cold tires and the moisture that was still left in that track. Mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you how many cars uh, came out for qualifying, and just from the ramp to four coming to the green flag, we're trying to get a little heat in the tires. I think three or four of them spun out. You got to do the old just, Kenny Richards trick. We were racing Wisconsin Challenge Series 10 years ago, and it was a 40 to 45-degree day. And right, I was lined up. Kenny Richards was number 9. I was number 10. And I was lined up right behind him to go out on the track, and his crew guys came out with some handheld propane torches mm. and were just heating up his rear tires before he went on the track. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I think a lot of places wouldn't really allow that because there, there are some rules in the, no tire in, in the books about, quote-unquote, manipulating tires, but... <laughs> I mean, good on you if you can get away with it, I suppose. But, yeah, I mean, uh, other than that, uh, another big hats off to Dells Raceway Park yesterday for just sticking it out and getting that race in. Uh, Not a great day weather-wise. I mean, it rained up until about 4 o'clock there. They were supposed to start at 2, so. Yeah, that's just the time of the year. It's going to be hit and miss with these specials and even Plover, like we talked about, coming up this weekend. You know, we pray for for good weather. You never know, like – here we are three weeks ago talking about the Dells and when mm-hmm. it's 95 and uh yeah so yeah even Rockford the week after do? was I think it was 80 yeah. degrees out that yeah, day yeah. too yeah yeah so yeah you, you just never know and you know these promoters I think they know this when they're booking these shows toward the end of the year um I asked Wayne Lensing about this when he first started the following and he said you know it's easier just to book it and cancel it if I have to other than here's October and it's 80 degrees outside and man, it'd be Try cool if we have a race together. because if you look at the last two years that he's had, I think last year was like 75 degrees and the year before that it was 70 mm-hmm. home runs both times stands were packed, sold out of everything home runs. You know, this year you get bit by the weather, but Hey, meatloaf said it best, right? Two out of three ain't bad. 
Yeah, these end-of-the-season specials seems to pull not only the fans but the cars just from all over because people want to continue to mm-hmm. race. Um, so they're willing to take that chance if they can get it in. Yeah, I've been thinking the last three, four weeks, it's like, man, it's Thursday night. Man, it's like oh, and haven't we outside. had some nice Thursday and nights like, <laughs> since we I, stopped why racing? Why are we too? not going oh, out to the track this week? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it's October. But then again, last year, I think, the last Thursday night that we had was probably the last nice Thursday night before the winter came, and then it was just terrible. Dreary. Yeah, it was yeah. terrible the rest. So, Us as racers, our, ch- our checkbooks are okay when racing ends. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't want to keep going through September. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they get a little bit happier. Speaking of that, Andy, where are you right now? Let's, let's talk a little bit about where someone like you are at now that the racing season is over. What what sort of steps are you taking in your race program? Um, Having won the championship and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'll be real honest with you. Um, since the race season ended, um, we obviously had the awards banquet and everything this past weekend. That went real well. And um, friends, family, sponsors, everybody there um, to celebrate that with. But um, really this time of the year, as far as the car goes, um, as we're kind of wrapping up, um you know, we, we tried to do a couple sponsor shows to fit in while the car's still all together. We did um, one for the Fox River Racing Club at Festival Foods. Um, they had a pumpkin blowout thing in Nina. Um, other than that, it's it's getting to the point where we're going to start taking the car apart. Um, maybe try to get some things done, you know, as far as, like, uh, maintenance on the trailer and stuff while it's still nice out. Uh, Tommy G was gracious enough to come pick up all my used junk race tires. So it's kind of... It's kind of a little bit different miscellaneous. Yeah, exactly. Um, Different things throughout the year um, that maybe just kind of got put off until this point. Um, But the big thing as far as the racing program goes this time of year is just uh, making sure you're getting out to your sponsors one last time. Thank them for the season. Uh, Thank them for supporting you. A lot of guys, a lot of teams, you know, either do like an 8x10 autograph picture or plaques or anything like that. Anything you can do to thank them, you know, for helping out. And um, I think a mistake a lot of teams make is they want to start talking about next year, right now already. um, And really, like, leave that visit right now just to thanking them. We had a great season. It was a lot of fun. You know, I, I hope, you know, maybe we can talk in the spring again about next year and kind of plant that seed, you know let people get through the holidays and everything else. And then, uh, you know, once the first of the year comes, start gearing up towards 2018. Yeah, and, of course, you got, you know, tracks and series and things starting to put together their schedules. So you don't want to get too far ahead of a lot of that stuff because you never know how that's all going to shake out, too. Um, and then PRI shows coming, so. Got my hotel booked. Do you? All I'm right. three miles from the convention center this year. I've Ooh. been, like, 10-plus Okay, last wow, few years getting so I'm, I'm getting closer. Yeah, well, thankfully for work, they put us right in the, one of the adjoining hotels. Yeah. <laughs> well, we do have to end up expensing that room out, so that eats <laughs> up a lot of my, my budget per year. So that that usually kind of uh, affects whether or not I can take a cool trip to, like, the Milk Bowl or something. So, Dan, are you coming down this year? I don't know. I don't you got know any vacation I, days left? I don't really get vacation days. Okay. I just kind of... Ask off days? Yeah, ask off days. I work part-time, so... I can maybe swing a three or four well, day. If you want to come, stretch. let go. me know. We're gonna leave Wednesday. I don't know when you leave. When do you leave? Uh, probably be leaving Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna leave Wednesday after work, so four or five o'clock. Get down there midnight, one in the morning, and then we'll go to the show all day Thursday, and probably half day Friday, and then yeah. drive back. So. Bring some good walking shoes. Yeah. And put a lot of steps on. Absolutely. Uh, of course, I have to check with my boss and then the boss. So yeah. We'll, we'll see <laughs> what she says. 
<laughs> uh, about me going down there. So yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's I think it, the PRI show just in general, um, and I'll be the first to admit it. You know, five years ago, I didn't even know what it was. You know, I got asked, "Hey, you going to the PRI show? You should go down there." Okay, and I thought it was more of like a swap meet, walk around, talk to vendors, get deals on on products and all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So here I show up with you know two thousand dollars in cash in my pocket to walk around and try to wheel and deal with people, and it's it's really not about that. Um, all the vendors are there that have anything and everything to do with racing from trailers to engine rod bearings to whatever you can think of are there. Um, but it's really just a networking opportunity, put a name with a face, see their new products they have to offer, but they're not selling anything. No. If you want to buy something, they're giving you a business card and say, right. hey, give me a shoot me an email or give me a call Monday. Yeah, it's a big show and tell, basically. Yes, exactly. Uh, you show up. Uh, and another big mistake, and I just want to put this out to anybody that might be thinking about going to the PRI that's listening to the podcast, do not go there with sponsor proposals. Nope. Those things will go straight <laughs> into the recycling bin when those people get back. Like you said, this is a big networking kind of thing. Um, for someone like you, Andy, that's now got a track championship under your belt, you can walk up and be like, hey, I'm Andy Monday. I won the 2017 championship at WIR. Been using your product forever, blah, 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 blah. You know, now you build that relationship with uh, your shock build, your shock supplier, your seatbelt supplier, and maybe that's how you start to, to get your product, get a sponsorship, get those kinds of things. You know, it's a very... At the very least, PRI is a good place to get in on the ground level with these people, mm-hmm. to make an introduction, to kind of get your name on the radar. It's not a place where you're going to go up to Penske Shocks and they're going to give you $10,000 <laughs> in sponsorship. So please don't even think that that's going to happen. Because I'll tell you, even as a guy like me going there for Tundra, tough to do that as well. Even if everybody's heard of Tundra, if if the Midwest Tour or even the big, huge ARCA series is doing this kind of things, they're just going up to these guys, making the introduction, saying hello, let's make a phone call, let's meet, let's do this away from the show because right. at the end of the day, Penske Shocks, they're sitting there, they want you to come in and look at what's new so you can start making some purchase decisions. And they want to sit there and spend 10, 15 minutes with you or your competitor or whoever to run you through this kind of thing. They don't want to spend 10, 15 minutes with someone trying to take their money. They want the money. <laughs> so a lot of these guys are commissioned salespeople, so they're they're there and they're busy. So that's just something important to bear in mind. But it is a good place to go down and get an education on a lot of things, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's the other thing I was going to bring up. So the first year I went down there, I walked basically the whole show. And you could spend two or three days and try to look at everything, and you still won't see everything. That's how big it is. Um, the first year I walked around and tried to see everything, and then right before we left – I remember going upstairs into one of the conference rooms and sitting in on a a free seminar because they have a lot of seminars they put on. Um, They're usually anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half long, put on by different vendors. Um, And I remember sitting in on a seminar. I can't remember which one it was. It might have been Gale Force about bump stops and different things. And I remember walking out of that seminar going, you know, I think I did this whole show backwards. And Shane, who was with me, is like, well, what do you mean? I said, we should have spent more time in the classroom learning and then pick and choose the vendors we want to see and go talk to instead of trying to see everything. So that's what we've been trying to do now the last few years is PRI has a great website. You can go right on. You can see all the different right. vendors that are putting on the free seminars. And I try to plan the day where 
I'm going to be in class from 9 to 10 and 11 to 12 and 1 to 2. And then the times that there aren't seminars going on that I want to attend, that's when I'm going to go over and talk to Brian Gill at Bassett Wheel. Mm-hmm. That's when I'm going to go talk to um, Steve Fox at Powertrain Technology. All the people that I do business with on the phone throughout the year that you really never get to see. Yeah, and, 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 and that's, that that's an important thing, too, mm-hmm. is making that face-to-face connection uh, with your vendor. You know, if you're buying five-star products online or, you know, through the phone or whatever, and you never get to meet Corey Schultz or Steve Einhouse or Troy Shear or those guys. Irish there, Saunders. Or, yeah, or Irish at Hoosier yep. where you're getting your tires from. It's just good to get up and put that name to the face because these guys, like Irish and, you know, Corey Schultz, they're walking around racetracks all the time. Mm-hmm. And aside from seeing the little logo <laughs> on their shirt, you may not have any idea who they are. So if you go to PRI, you meet them. You make that connection. Now, next time you see him at the racetrack, bring him over the trailer, have him in there, talk to him a little bit, get some, you know, get some good advice from these guys because they're all smart. When it comes to their product, they are all smart. Yeah, very smart yeah. in those seminars. And, and, and they'll tell you. They'll tell you everything you need to know. Again, those free seminars, you know, some people think, you know, well, I don't need to go out that. We got our program figured out. But you can really pick up a lot of things, just little nuggets that you can add to your pro- program. And I know our team has the last few years. Um, I think there's a lot of people in this sport that are just, they have their go-to um, Joe Wood at Pathfinder, or Joe at Racetech, and they go to them for all their advice. But where are they going? Yeah, where Exactly. <laughs> so where can you learn some of this stuff and understand it? And a lot of those seminars, sometimes the, 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 the Q&A, the questions that get asked from even the audience the seminar. is where you're yeah. getting more of your even information. Even better Because you'll have a guy who's like, yeah, I run uh, the Oxford 300 out in the northeast, and we run these real flat tracks. We're struggling with bite off. Uh, what's your opinion on trying a left rear bump spring? And the guy up front will be like, here's what we tried. Here are the pros and cons of it. Here's what other things you have to do with your car. And you're like, that was a really good question. Now I can apply that to my program. And I'll tell you why that's funny, too, <laughs> because some of those seminars are – a little tease to try to get you to go and do yeah, a somebody's different gotta seminar. Yeah, somebody got to pay the bills. <laughs> so when you get to that Q&A point, there are specific things that those guys will leave out of those seminars. But you get to that Q&A point and someone will ask a question on a topic that maybe that guy wanted to hold on to, usually they'll still answer. So some of them are pretty slick, though. They'll be like, well, you know, if you came to our full seminar, we would tell you all about blah, 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 blah. But, you know, every once in a while they'll let those nuggets slip out. So you, yeah. if, if you're on your game and you're listening real close, you can catch that kind of Freddie stuff. Freddie Query was the one that I talked to after the Hypercoil seminar. So Hypercoil was paying for the show, the seminar. So they wanted to promote their spring and hand out catalogs, which is fine. You know, that's all part of it. But then Freddie Query was in there, and we was talking to bump stops and setups and sway bars. And even after the seminar was over, I just went up, introduced myself. He obviously, he didn't know who I was. Um, but I remembered he was at Kakana because he helped Paul Schaefer at the Dixieland the year before. They finished third. And I was able to just pick his brain, a guy with a ton of knowledge. You know, hey, what would you learn at Kakana last year when you are up there for the Dixieland? And he was very open. Hey, this is what we ran for bump springs in the front. We had this much stagger. We had this go on. Here's what we tried. Here's what worked, didn't work. You know, I thought we had some rough race tracks down in the south, but I didn't realize <laughs> what you guys had until we came to Kakana. You know, that kind of stuff. And uh, it was all very insightful stuff, and it's enjoyable meeting and talking to all those people. Very knowledgeable. Yeah. So uh, make your trip, Dan. <laughs> and that, there to. might be some partying that goes on. Yeah. Indianapolis there. is a very underrated town. It's a neat place. Cadillac Ranch, Howl at the Moon. Yeah, Howl at the Moon. I could, I could name like three or Howl four of them off that get pretty, pretty busy. 
And then uh, <laughs> the nice thing is, is there's a very strategically placed steak and shake that's open all night right by the hotels, too. So Of course. Yeah. Of course. You never knew you wanted ice cream in the middle of December until you're walking back from uh, Howl at the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> and that steak and shake looks real good. Yeah, it's it's a fun time, and it's it's good. The other cool thing is, um, like, uh, Mike on my race team came with us last year, and, you know, he might not be 100% into the setups and everything else, but, you know, he watches, um trying to think of the name of the show, The Street Outlaws. Mm-hmm. You ever see that show with all those guys that yeah. do that? Yeah. They had those, all their cars. Guys are walking they had around. all their yeah. cars there last year in the show, and those guys are just walking around. Yeah. And then even that night, mm-hmm. we're out at the bar. They're right across from us at the bar. Ron, here, there's Ron Hornaday. Hey, there's Jeff Burton. He's walking around with Harrison. You know, yeah, you'd, these guys you'd, you'd are totally amazed. accessible. Yeah, you know, you're, you're Mark walking. Mar- you're last walking year, Mark out. Martin was sitting there talking to Dalton. Yeah, you're, Man, you're, there, look at that. Yeah, you you're know? walking down the aisle and you accidentally bump elbows with Kenny Schrader. It's like, oh, hey, Kenny Schrader, how's it going? Or Randy the Joy's standing in the Joy of Seating booth and you talk to him, or you go over to. This one blew me away. I was just kind of looking at new products and stuff, and I I'd barely heard about Max Pappas Industries. You know mm-hmm. Max Pappas, yep, famous MPI. road racer. Mm-hmm. Walks over to me and just introduces, hello, my name is Max Pappas, blah, blah, blah. Just starts to Didn't know who I was. I hmm. obviously never seen him before in person, but, you know, just completely 100% accessible because you're not really – a lot of the people there aren't fans. Nobody's seeking autographs. We're all just there to talk about racing and – uh, that's kind of the neat thing about these guys. I mean, there are a couple autograph sessions here and there, like Graham Rahal was signing autographs in the Penn Grade booth last year. But mm-hmm. other than that, I mean, yeah, 100% accessible. It's really neat. Yeah, should be a fun time. Looking forward to it. I try to take that, those days off of work for every year to head down. Yeah. And a uh, little mini vacation. Yeah, it's a good time. So I guess that can kind of put a little wrap here on it. Uh, well, I got to tell you yeah, about my enduro experience. Oh, that's right. I don't want to skip yeah. the ISS enduro. Yeah, that's right. I was right. going to say, I don't think we talked about that yet. <laughs> I almost forgot about that one. Let's hear about it. That was another nice day, too, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, another uh, nice day at Kakana. The 300-lap ISS enduro, Matt Roll puts that series on. They had 86 cars start that thing. I see they're doing another one at Wausau next yeah, weekend. Yeah, Wausau next weekend. 28 times 3 or whatever. They were doing the live draw today. It was They got... Tons of cars ready yeah, for that one too. So pretty popular, pretty cool series. Um Kyle Stark ended up winning the race at Kakana. He was he was on a rail and just kinda gone. Um Dan Thompson, who was our FRC champion on Thursday nights, um, he finished fourth. He had the same car out there that he ran every Thursday. So I know a lot of people are like, Well, the four cylinder class and the Enduros are kinda different. You gotta have a different car. Well, not Dan. He ran the same car that he mm-hmm. ran all year out there. Um I had the opportunity to drive the uh the PT Cruiser, the Bob Voigt, Kurt Schweitzer machine. And um, I was just going to take it easy at the beginning because I just wanted to make all the laps. And lap seven, I got blasted in the door, and the steering column broke. Mm. So, you know, mm. like in a street car when you have, like, the tilt steering switch loose and you can move it wherever you want? Yeah, mine just was basically loose and broke. So the whole steering column on lap seven is laying down in my lap (laughs) and I'm holding it up with my left hand and trying to drive the car with my right hand. And I thought, you know, at some point there's going to be a red flag for a wreck or I'm going to get a flat tire and need to come anyway. I'm not going to pit right now and lose laps under green. So I'll just deal with it. Well, it is fine for a while until somebody gets into you and turns you sideways. Then you realize you need that left hand to help overcorrect the steering wheel. 
and uh, got a little challenging. But, yeah, about lap 80, we got a flat tire, and then uh, I was yelling for my brother to come over who was helping us in the pits to give me some zip ties. We zip tied the old steering column back up. There we go. Zip Went ties back out. Good fix. And uh, started racing again. And then I had a, a Kyle Busch moment. The speedometer cluster came completely loose in the PT Cruiser. And fell so out. So it, it does happen. It fell out, and I'm holding on to it. And I was going to pull Kyle Busch and just chuck it out the window, but I thought, you know what? This is Bob and Kurt's car. They're probably going to want this. So I just nicely set it down. <laughs> set it down let's, next, let's get, next gonna, to the fake NOS yeah, bottle? Yeah, we're going to keep that. Oh, Bob, <laughs> Bob did have a fake NOS bottle. They made him take it out in, okay. in pre, pre-inspection. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it was a great time. We ended up not finishing the race. We had a transmission problem. Uh, Mickey Shally ran it as well. Uh, Brazen Bennett and Bob Voigt, Kurt so, Schweitzer. There was a lot of regular Foxer Racing Club guys out there. Did the, did that hole come from the inside or the outside? Still haven't determined. It was no? kind of weird because it was running fine, then we had a red flag, and we went to stop for the red flag. And when we went back green, it would go into gear. It just wouldn't move. It just wouldn't do anything. So hmm. I got a nice push from a yep. station wagon back into the pits, and we called her a day. Brazen made us laugh, though. Brazen pulled in the pits. His car was knocking or or uh, blowing up something with the engine, and once he realized what it was, he just held it to the wood and just let it blow just up let in it the pits, <laughs> started on fire, and <laughs> it was very funny. But is that? I believe that's his old four-cylinder car, isn't it? Is yep, it? Yeah, that's the old number Civic. nine. Yeah, he raced it. I think uh, his girlfriend Megan raced it, mm-hmm. maybe a season or two. Mm-hmm. That, that's had a lot of laps on it. When I talked to him, he had bought that back relatively cheap. I think he said then he just went and got like a five hundred dollar junker motor or something to just. Toss it back I in. I know who Ready he got go. the motor from, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah? Frank Calbreeze. Oh, there he we go. He runs yeah. the Enduro, too. So. Frank I is, felt uh, bad for Frank. Frank and his daughter oh. got in a crash, like, on lap five oh, really? or 300. Yeah, and their right cars in were front wiped of, out right on If the there was stretch. a Hall of Fame of, like, Midwestern <laughs> Enduro racing, I think Frank Calabrese would probably be one of the first people inducted. Most definitely. I, I, would, I would probably. Because he's not just the four-cylinder. I mean, he used to do the eight-cylinder and all that other kind of the Midwest Enduro type stuff, yep. too. Yeah. I remember watching Frank race these things a long time and frank's a great guy i got to know him a lot working at the auto parts stores and stuff when i was younger i mean he's he he'll help anybody anytime and he's real great to talk to he's good for our sport for sure yeah yeah he's thrown an exhaust in my street car my uh my stepdad is actually really good friends with him so okay uh i've met him personally (laughs) before knowing he was a race uh you know a racer and we went out there to fix the exhaust and i'm like those race cars the hell why didn't you tell me this (laughs) Gets you all excited. <laughs> yeah. And now you the, start talking racing, and all of a sudden it's eight hours later. Yep. That's Frank for sure. Yep. And the cool thing about this ISS series we're talking about, and a lot of people might not know a lot about it, is uh, the top three after the race is over, um, they actually take their cars. Yeah, you lose your car. You, you lose your mm-hmm. car if you finish in the top three. So the idea is not to spend thousands of dollars on these cars. That's not the intent. It's really to take a street-legal car, um, gut out all the fire type stuff, put a safety cage and seat in it and go racing. That's the idea for these cars. And, um, yeah, so the top three then get auctioned off on eBay. Mm-hmm. And then that gets more people into racing that Isn't can that buy a car Brazen that's ready to go. Civic back? Yeah, he won yep. and then he, he bought he won, it back. Yeah, won it, won it on eBay, didn't he? Yep, exactly. That was from, uh, was that the January 1st? Race? 141, I believe, yeah, on the, the dirt. Yeah, the yep. one the one in January, so... Yep. Yeah, you could race the same car Brazen Bennett raced. All you got to do is watch the eBay autos. That's how you do it. And then yeah. somebody wants to get into racing and they have nothing, like literally nothing to start with, that's the best way to do it. You have a car that obviously finished top three. You got to throw a seat and seat belts in it or have mm-hmm. a buddy help you do that. 
and uh, you can go racing. Yeah, and you don't mm. necessarily have to bring that to the Enduros either. I mean, that could be your Thursday night four-cylinder car too if you wanted to go that route. Yep, yep. exactly. So if you're not into driving with 80 cars and you'd rather try to start off with maybe 8 or 10 in a heat race, there, there's there's your go-to. Yeah, heat race. I was going to say feature. Yeah. We've been you know, getting fe- a- Yeah, feature you're going to get up to your 18, 19, 20, but, you know, we have the heat races kind of. Yeah. They're a little, they're bit, a little bit smaller thinned now. thinned out, yeah. <laughs> but. Well, guys, uh, I guess we should probably thank the fifth quarter here for letting us do this. By the way, this is kind of where this whole thing started, if you remember back. Yeah, we had the meeting at table. Yeah. Remember the table number? Oh, was it 10? Nope. 45. Oh, remember, I gave you crap about JVO. that right Yeah. Yeah. We had a meeting at the JVO table yeah, to okay. start this thing off. Yeah, that's uh, brainstorming that's session. A little bit of full circle stuff, but <laughs> yep. we're just going to keep rolling on. And by the way, um, next time we do a podcast, we've been invited very nicely by Craig Krieger to host it possibly at the X Bar. So we'll chat with him a little bit on that. Uh, by the way, congratulations. I'm a, I think what, they were just celebrating 10 years, was five. it? Five. Five. Okay, years, five yeah. years uh, this past uh, Friday before the banquet. Saw that, yep. Yeah, it sounded like uh, a lot of those figure eight guys had a pretty good time, from <laughs> what I was told. They, like, Party. we've talked about this before on here. That's its own fraternity, for sure. Yeah, definitely. So uh, we'll be looking forward to maybe doing one. I don't know. We'll and see speaking if we can of figure eight drivers, I was telling Dan this before we went on the air. I was uh, at the banquet. I was talking to Terry Van Roy, and I was trying to figure out how many championships this is for him. Okay. So I went on the WIR Wikipedia page, and I don't know if that's 100% accurate, but I think it's pretty close. This year was Terry Van Roy's 20th Fox River Racing Club championship oh between the figure eights and the street stocks. How many street stock championships? There was like at least seven on there. Okay, so like 13 and seven. Something like that is a split, but total it was 20. And he, he has no idea. He's just like, yeah, I don't know. No. It's fun. Yeah. He gave his <laughs> speech. coming back. He gave his, you know, five-minute speech at the banquet, which was very good. Yeah. And then uh, mm-hmm. Five yeah. minutes. It was like five words. Five words. Yeah, but for, they were five good Wol- words. Yeah, for the Will Robbie fan. Yep. Yeah. That was, that was so, great. It was good. Yeah. And by the way, Andy, your speech was very nice. Thank you. Yeah. That was very good. Um, poor, I start, poor Beth. <laughs> you embarrassed her a little bit, but. <laughs> she knew yeah. it was coming. <laughs> no, to be honest with you, I started writing that uh, three weeks ago. I was in Chicago for work for three days, and I thought, you know, I better get working on this. And I'm glad I did because um, the more you think about it and talk to different people, you remember different people that you might have mm-hmm. forgotten otherwise. Um, so you kind of just want to include everybody. And, no, it went real well. Um, it was uh, it was a fun night for, for our family and for our sponsors that could be there. Um, to enjoy that, and now 2017 is officially a wrap, and the target's on our back for 18. Yeah, there we go. Well, like I was saying, uh, we'll kind of keep you folks in the loop here if we decide to do a podcast uh, coming up shortly. I don't know, maybe we'll we'll do it right around PRI time or after PRI time. We'll see how everything falls here in November, but yep. um, obviously we'll have a lot to talk about right around that time, and we'll all be itching to see some racing. Most definitely. Yeah, and just to recap real quick, uh, just meeting stuff tonight since we're here yeah. at the fifth quarter after the Fox River Racing Club meeting. Um, Tom G is is the president for the next two years. Um, he ran uncontested as well as Clint Smith for the secretary position. So it, that um, was a very close vote. They both won by one one vote. vote. The only person that voted because they didn't <laughs> need to. Yeah, um, by bylaws they had to, but. 
but no, it's they'll do a, both do a fine job, and and sometimes it's good to get some new blood and stuff in there. Um, but also sometimes it's good to have some consistency. Yeah. Um, you know, with getting Tommy and Clint has been in there. I believe this might be his. Oh, Clint's eighth, been in ninth, here. Tenth Clint has turn. been here since I started. I just finished my tenth year. So. Yeah. So. Uh, and Tommy, I know, was VP for quite a while uh, a few years ago before he got back in the race car, and now he's. Back yeah, as an officer. Tom will do a good job with all of our marketing partners and working with Danny and Ginger. Um, I think that'll be a good thing. And, you know, Tom moved up through the ranks the same as I did with sport trucks, late model, super late model. So it's mm-hmm. good uh, good understanding of all the divisions as well. Um, so hopefully uh, we're in a good spot heading into next year. And I think we got so. uh, six months of off-season meetings to get yeah. prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to scratch each other's eyes out over rules and no, we don't do <laughs> we don't pounds, do that anymore. Ten pounds here, and think, twenty pounds there. You know, the funny <laughs> the funny thing about that is, I think that's the perception of what these meetings are all about. Is that all we do is talk about rules? And tonight, I think we talked about yeah, two rules, three rules. Yeah, basically, really, it was the, uh, trying the, to the breakout yeah. division meetings are for that. Not this is not no, for that. Yeah, it was t- tonight was more about uh, trying to uh, you know put some heads together here about. Making a little more more revenue for, for the track. Yeah, they put the announcer like three hundred bucks a night. I mean, nobody brings that up. Really? Yeah. They pay Lauren that much? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> I'm I'm getting a raw. The guy that does that. the videos Yeesh. gets five hundred a night. Ah, <laughs> uh, you better check your math there. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least right. he. Never mind. Maybe they're paying the champion too much. Uh, maybe. Maybe they're paying too much for fast time. I mean, we can ask the guy that got four of them. Yeah, I donated that money this year. <laughs> that all went in the stands, so we yeah. got two fans win the $100 bonus those there nights. There we go. Perfect. Conflict of interest sponsor for me. Yeah. Ah. Uh, that, well, great sponsor, Dreyer yeah, Collision. They, they do a Helping out the club. But Appreciate yeah, them. Cannot accept any any money with my uh, day job with them. So. All right, well, you never know. <laughs> we'll just, uh, we don't have to tell anybody if you did. Nope, <laughs> won't happen. Not worth my job. Yeah, yeah I suppose that kind of looks like uh, you're you're on the take from a potential vendor type deal. Yeah, huh? yeah, it looks like they're paying you for to your position at work to get them more business yeah. and that kind of thing. Yeah, and that's, it's just not that's how it works. So it, uh, yeah, that's more of a that's a much bigger thing than racing. So no one can really yep put that on you. But the yeah. fans love it every time yeah, the hey. ten card gets fast time. Then two people get a hundred bucks. Right. Well, I'm one. just gonna start telling people that uh, we're not <laughs> donating that, and I'll give it to the guy that does the videos. Uh, there we go. <laughs> there we go. That woke him up over there a little bit. All right, folks. Well, uh, thank you for joining us here on podcast number twelve. Uh, we'll look forward to lucky number thirteen here sometime throughout the winter. We'll we'll keep you updated on that. If you're looking for more information, including things that happen at these meetings, because you can see them, they are on the website frcracing.net. They post all the meeting minutes on there, so you can check that out. Uh, or you can go to the Fox River Racing Club Facebook just by putting in Fox River Racing Club in your search box. Uh, you can find Dan on Twitter. Dan is Dan Strong ninety five. Andy Monday is a Monday ten, and I'm Matt Panier on Twitter. But uh, this time of year, all you're going to see is hockey stuff. You're going to see Matt, a lot of hockey, football stuff from me. Yeah. What about Dan? What do you post? Nothing. Podcast. Podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Podcast. Two, two weeks Dan. ago, I did sixteen games from Thursday to Sunday. That's a lot of games. Sixteen games. Whoa. Yeah. It was. Uh, I didn't have enough time to tweet about it. Plus, the internet stunk there. So. And don't worry, all of those links will be in the description of this one. I've I never even thought about it until this time. Perfect. So, 
We'll yeah. throw everything down there for the stuff that we talked about, the video, uh, Fox River Racing Club's webpage, our Twitter handles. Excellent. So, All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Till we cross paths again, stay out of trouble.